catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Thank God it's a Thursday. I wish you a tolerable Thursday. That's all any of us can hope for, right? Maybe not. <laughs> you can quit anything on a Thursday because <laughs> what is there? What is left? Whatever your week has been, every day is a new beginning. So why not just take full advantage of it? Welcome to Tony's Tech Side. I'm here every weekday from 9 a.m. West African time till midday streaming live on www.africatechradio.com from 9 a.m. West African time till midday. And then if you're listening to this afterwards, well, thank you for listening. Share your thoughts with the rest of us. We're going to be learning a tech word in this episode. We'll dig deep into the rubbles of history to find precious jewels of knowledge to launch you into the future. And then we share the most important and juiciest stories impacting Africa. Tech stories to keep you informed. You can share your stories with the rest of us. You can share your thoughts also with the rest of us on WhatsApp. Yes, text or send a voice note on 0913-558-1766. 0913-558-1766. Please add plus 234 if you're texting from outside Nigeria. Now on digging deep into the rubbles of history, we start in 2005 on the 7th of September when Apple introduced the iPod Nano. Yes, it actually replaced the iPod Mini. This move surprised many in the industry as the iPod Mini was extremely popular. However, the use of flash storage instead of a hard drive allowed for a much smaller form factor and then increased the reliability and, you know, better battery life. And the first iPod I actually like used was the iPod Nano and God, it was beautiful. There was this particular song. I think it was the album of One Day Cold. Yes. Oh, my God. I remember IOD and the rest of them, my classmates now. Shout out to them. Back then, yes, in secondary school. Jeez. That was it. The iPod Nano was just the device we actually wanted. Yeah, it was just the device. And um, 2005, on this day, September 7th, on the 8th of September 2003. So we're looking at, you know, history for the rest, for the whole week. The whole week starting from 5th, that's 4th to 8th or 10th of September. Yep. And for September 8th, the Recording Industry Association of America sued 261 people for sharing music on internet peer-to-peer network. And it included a 12-year-old, Brianna Lahara. And eventually, this kind of like made the suit to be like against 30,000 people. That's the lawsuit that he brought against these people for sharing networks. So the idea is that people are supposed to pay for music so that the musicians can get paid. But then this was intended to reduce the amount of music being shared, but it instead got a backlash against the established recording industry because people were like, I beg, allow us to share. Now, thinking of where we've gone on the continent from where we used to download music on websites, people still do that though. But then the popularity of streaming platforms have actually become a thing. Apple Music, Spotify, Boomplay, Audio Mac, it's now a thing. So people would rather, because of space, yeah, rather stream music than download and fill up their devices with the same music. 
and they'll keep listening to it again and again and again and even pay small amount multiple times um, spread across a year or spread across a couple of years to ensure that they enjoy or keep enjoying such entertainment. September 10, 1990, the first internet search engine, Archie, was launched. It was used to index FTP archives to make finding files easier. That was the original idea. But right now, we've gone <laughs> totally off. Well, it's a lot more better and a lot more useful. And there's a lot of money around it right now. So, as the technology for the World Wide Web, WWW, was not invented until later in the year, it was not the first web search engine, yeah? So, and I think one of the episodes in August or in July, I actually talked about the first web search engine. Moving downward, September 9, 1945, it would be operators of the Harvard Mark II found a moth trapped in relay 70 in panel 5 and the popular the bug right bug that word is popularized in 1945 september 9 when the operators of that particular computer the harvard mark ii found it and it was the first actual case of bug being found it wasn't the first time the the term or the word bug for computer problems was used but it was the first time the term debug was actually used and software testing is an industry that has come about because of you know bugs and debugging and these people their primary task and responsibility is to find bugs or write code to support testing and i have a friend who actually is into software testing in fact i did two episodes on software testing yes vacancy alert software testers needed you can catch that on www.africatechradio.com just search for software testers and you would find you know what software testing is how you can get into it if you're on the continent and the kind of resources you're going to need you actually don't need to be able to code to get into software testing people don't know this well let me leave that and september 7 1927 96 years ago philo famsworth became the first person to successfully transmit a tv signal he is the inventor of the first electronic television he invented the first fully functional all electronic image pickup device known as the video camera tube the image dissector and he had over 300 us and foreign patents in 1999 he was one of the time 100 uh, that's the most important people of the century mm-hmm. and there's one particular quote of his that actually struck me listen carefully he says there's nothing on it worthwhile and we're not going to watch it in this household and i don't want it in your intellectual diet he was talking to his son and he was talking about the television note this man invented the first electronic television well we will not be entertaining such slander here because if he were alive and was tuned in to me right now he'll most def recommend that his son stayed on here well one more september 7 1912 111 years ago david packard was born he's a co-founder of the hewlett packard company the hp if you use an hp well the founder of hp was born on 7th of september 1912 and he died on 26th of march 1996 he was 83 if he was still alive he would be 111 years old yep so the word for today is cloud computing yes cloud computing cloud yes the one above us and then computing like computers so 
It's the delivery of computing services, that's um, storage, databases, analytics, intelligence, software, networking over the internet, referred to as the cloud, to offer faster innovation, flexible resources, and economies of scale. I understand. (laughs) That was a little bit. In simple terms, guys, cloud computing is a term that you use to describe a global network of servers like computers each with a unique function the cloud is not a physical entity you cannot like the the cloud itself with the term cloud is not a place where you can touch yeah instead it's a vast network of remote servers and computers around the globe which are hooked together and they're meant to operate as a single ecosystem now these servers are actually designed to store and manage data run applications deliver content or a service such as streaming videos web mail office productivity software, even social media. So instead of accessing the files and data from a local or a personal computer that's in your house, you're accessing them online from any internet-capable and enabled device. That's the information will be available anywhere you go and anytime you need it. That's what almost everyone does. That's why you can, wherever you are, access you know certain services. All the apps, literally, that you run, they actually have like some kind of cloud support. Mm-hmm. So there are like four different methods of using cloud resources of different ways this whole cloud thing works. Yeah, there's a public cloud that shares resources and offers services to the public over the internet. There's a private cloud. This one is not shared. Private companies pay for it and then they have total access of over it. Most times they get those servers and they put them in their premises. Yeah. And then there's hybrid cloud. And this one shares services between public and private clouds depending on their purpose. And the community cloud that shares resources only between organizations such as government institutions. That's community cloud. So these are like the different ways. What are the benefits of cloud computing? Why cloud computing? First is flexible. Yeah. So due to the way the structure of cloud computing enterprises companies and their users can access the services from anywhere with an internet connection and then it ensures that these services you know are like scaled up or down as needed so it's either you have more people on it or you have less people on it it just depends but it makes it very flexible for anybody to use Mm -hmm. and for companies to use it's also efficient um, because companies can now develop new apps and rapidly get them into production without worrying about the where you're going to store them. You know how we talked about streaming services and how before now you download and then you fill your laptop and like, oh, my, my space is filled up, blah, blah, blah. Now, what if you didn't need to bother about space? Everything you do will be taken care of online. All you need to do is pay for that online space and never bother because if you need more space, you just have to pay. That's all. If you say you need one gig extra, no problem. They would get it for you and they'll fix it up. So you don't need to bother about, you know, your my space is filled up and all of that. So it's really very efficient. And it's also secure because they really try their best to ensure that, you know, hacking, failures, all of those things are really reduced to the barest. So it's really relatively low for it to be insecure. But then your own PC and, you know, the stuff you do can actually be hacked because most times you're not running security checks again and again and again and again and again. Also, it's cost effective. Instead of filling your house with servers and, you know, your office 
space with pcs multiple pcs and enlarging the space 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 that you have to put on it you know making your 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 pcs bigger and bigger and bigger or something or keep widening the space of you know your ram or whatnot you just pay for that and then like it, it's just a better way right to deal with it just like i said before instead of downloading music and you know buying more you know new pcs and whatnot every time you just have to pay maybe um 100 naira 300 500 depending on the service 900 for some and then you enjoy multiple like an array of songs or movies anytime you want at midnight like wherever even if you're not in a particular place like you're not where you registered for that service you can still get it it's 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 mind-blowing right so the subscription service is actually what makes that whole idea work and it's what makes it echo during this generation maybe as we move away you know away or out of this generation we may have like new innovations around service delivery and we may also think of you know the business side of it and how we want to fund it but for now let that continue to echo Yes, so this has generated a lot of conversation and I think that's one of the things I want to start with. And it is the on Twitter, it's called P-E-P-T. <laughs> so this is the election petition tribunal in Nigeria, the judgments that happened in Nigeria. And yes, the presidential election petition tribunal struck out the petition filed by Peter Obi of the Labour Party and also Atiku Abubakar of the People's Democratic Party which is against the election of President Bola Tinubu. Uh, the election tribunal said that he lacked merit and they challenged the victory. Um, some say it's a narrow victory in the presidential election that took place in February 2023. And 10, almost 10 hours, about 9 hours plus, because I think it started about 7 or 8 a.m. And it lasted up until like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. And the two main challenges, according to the election tribunal, were without merit. First off, some things I would want to point out. First is the fact that there's been a lot of social media coverage one two people do not know but this is the this is the fastest judgment right that has come out from nigeria for an election tribunal of this nature you know first time it's it's, is this fast the judgment and um, the whole process and the 13 would be the fact that people followed the televised version of it like because the whole pro the the judgment itself was televised and i can tell you for a fact that i was following three different channels and they all produced about a hundred k one was 70 one was um 80 or so at one point another was like 40 50 over a hundred k people streamed that particular judgment live live bro and we're not talking just people from Nigeria. We're talking people from like people who are based in Nigeria locally, but maybe Nigerians from also across, like people, you know, overseas. That's um one of it. One of the things that I also also um, noticed, and the hashtags. It was it was crazy. The conversation also it was, I think it was top notch, right? The other thing is a lot of people still do not understand 
you know the basics of what the constitution or the laws of the country really mean or what they truly say and i think that's like one area i noticed that we need to improve on there needs to be a lot of education i was just speaking to someone yesterday and the person was like oh i didn't know i had to do something in the process right i didn't know i had to do something for election oh yes she didn't know that she on the on the ballot paper she was going to be given to vote that she wasn't going to see the faces of the candidates and i was like what are you joking you how would you wouldn't because if you check it's not really the candidate you're voting you're voting the parties right so if you were the candidate you see the faces of the candidate but you're voting the parties and you won't even see like um a a a b b b c c c you're going to see like their logos right so and she was like i was very confused i don't even know who i vote. i know i just put my hand and i'm like we have a long way to go in terms of education and to think that everyone was there and nobody like people were like waiting this judge they talk gone waiting this judge waiting be this waiting be this like everyone was kind of confused and they were like hey lie wasabi what's up come do a summary for us man do like a three-line summary let's know what these judges are talking about so the president tinubu was sworn into office on 29th of may president he currently is on the seat as a president of the largest democracy on the continent and lead justice harula samani read the verdict and said the petitioners failed to prove allegations of corrupt practices and over voting and he also added that the petitioners failed to specify the polling unit where they alleged that rigging took place and they also failed to provide any credible evidence to prove their allegations of suppression of votes in their strongholds the electoral commission also was not bound to transmit results electronically that's something that was a big issue and then also they ruled that the failure to upload the photographic copies of polling unit results in real time did not invalidate the election right and the election was like really fiercely contested since the end of the military rule in 1999 this has been the most fiercely contested and Tinubu, who is the current president of Nigeria, won with 37% of votes cast. And Atiku Abubakar of the PDP had 29% of the vote cast. And Peter Obi had 25% of the vote cast. And just about 10%, that's 10% generally of all registered voters was, you know, what equated to 37% of the vote cast, which Tinubu, that's uh, Bola Ahmed Tinubu, one way so at this point i think here should just rest and then let's hear what the next moves will be by the the major political parties that are in opposition it's also important to note that lots of things are changing while this conversation is going on like the national electricity regulatory commission in nigeria granting the approval for an increase in the price of prepaid meters within the country now, a single-phase prepaid meter will be priced at 81,975 Naira and about 16 Koba. This is an increase from what it used to be. What it used to be is 58,661 Naira. And the cost of a three-phase prepaid meter has also gone up from 109,684 to about 143,836. Now, according to the Electricity Regulatory Commission in Nigeria, this decision was to ensure you know, the ability of you know, MAPs to recover reasonable costs associated with them, you know, buying or procuring, purchasing the meter and maintaining it, 
while ensuring that their pricing structure still allows them to make profits that's return on investments african leaders have proposed a global carbon tax regime in a joint declaration which is now known as the nairobi declaration 2023 this nairobi declaration capped the three-day africa climate summit the inaugural the first time it happened in kenya's capital nairobi the document which was released on wednesday the 6th of september 2023 which was the last day for the inaugural africa climate summit demanded that major polluters commit more resources to help poorer nations i don't like the sound of that though but yeah at least like if you if you put it dirty you should pay for it but then if you say it's credit credit sounds like a good thing i don't know to some people well african heads of state said this would be the basis of their negotiating position at the november's cop 28 summit Uh, that should be in the uae Africa is among the most vulnerable continents to the impact of climate change, but according to researchers, it only receives about 12% of the nearly $300 billion in annual financing it needs to cope. And the Nairobi Declaration has called on world leaders to rally behind the proposal for a global carbon tax regime, including a carbon tax on fossil fuel trade, maritime transport, and aviation that may also be augmented by a global financial transaction tax. It said that these measures would ensure the large-scale financing for climate-related investments and insulate the issue of tax rises from geopolitical and domestic political pressures. So, around... 24 or so countries currently impose taxes on carbon according to the international monetary fund but the idea of a global general carbon tax regime has failed to gain the much needed traction even though the eu itself has even moved for it and it's been discussed over time at the different cops activists say that the credits which allow the polluters to offset emissions by funding green activities are some sort of pretext for big polluters to keep emitting carbon dioxide and the president of kenya william ruto said that international governments development banks private investors and philanthropists committed a combined 23 billion dollars i put it on my status yesterday and tolu which is our in-house designer said oh he did like a whole full rant (laughs) i didn't even know he was like watching the space he did like a whole full rant about it and everything well 23 billion dollar you know green projects over the three days which was committed is a good deal including hundreds of millions to major carbon markets initiative yes but african leaders you know you know have acknowledged that these um, kinds of investments only scratch the surface of the continent's financial needs and more systemic changes needs to be done africa needs to be considered when these conversations are had and that's one of the one of the major reasons this africa climate summit kind of like address which is we should always go in with a position right we most likely will get a bigger pie or a better deal when we go in you know with a unified position and that's what william ruto and the africa climate summit kind of like helped to solve we await cop 28 and what will happen i asked Chagosi, one of the climate activists and analysts that you know we've spoken to a couple of times and when i get his reaction i will surely share that with you too Meanwhile, today at 10.30 a.m., if you're streaming live, today at 10.30 a.m. West African time, we're going to have 
you know, two persons from the GEAPP. The GAPP is one of the major actors or one of the major partners for the Africa Climate Summit that happened that just ended in Nairobi, Kenya. And we're going to be talking about the key takeaways from this particular summit, you know, to know if what we intended for it was achieved and how we're going to be moving forward with these plans. Some analysts say that the summit, you know, also had not focused enough on how to help Africans adapt to extreme weather. And some protesters who were around during the conference and protested during the conference um, criticized the conference. You know, they demonstrated outside events against Africa's plan to sell carbon credits to foreign countries. Several foreign companies and countries kind of like committed hundreds of millions in several carbon credit purchases from the African Carbon Markets Initiative, the ACMI, including the UAE, which pledged about $450 million. So key takeaways from the Africa Climate Summit coming at 10.30 a.m. West African time. Don't miss it for anything. And if you're listening to this afterwards, just search for key takeaways from Africa Climate Summit 2023. And you're going to be able to listen to the conversation that we're having right now. It doesn't rain, they say. It pours. It's been pouring for a while for summer. That is Facebook's former content moderation firm in Africa as They've been accused again, but this time of shielding an employee who allegedly raped two colleagues and sacked one of his victims to protect the company's reputation. Two former employees in Sama's Kenyan office told Open Democracy that managers fostered an unsafe working environment by ignoring or minimizing their allegations of rape against one of their colleagues. One employee who was new in Kenya said that when she was raped by a colleague who had visited her at home, another colleague informed the management of the assault. Having only recently moved to Kenya, she said she assumed someone would assist her in filing a local police report, but she says a senior manager instead told her not to involve the police. Afterwards, there was no further action from the company taken, and she said that the company left him on the staff and asked that, you know, he call her and apologize and all of that, but didn't really take any step, like, proper. Anyone who's raped is a criminal offense, bro. Exactly. <clears throat> so, I... Let's just sum up, please. Thank you. Let's move on. So Spotify has restricted access to lyrics for some of its non-paying users, including those in you know, Nigeria, if you're in Nigeria. And if you've received a message saying, enjoy lyrics on Spotify Premium. Well, Spotify says that this particular change is just a test and they want to know if it's going to make you to move. Yes, to actually become a premium user so you can get... Uh, well, I'm saying that <laughs> for some people who are like, you know, Udumudu Black and Adekunle, wrong person, bro. You got the wrong person. We will continue doing what we're doing and we really wouldn't mind what's happening. Well, so Clubhouse has totally been redesigned around these new chats. And if you open the newly updated app, it prompts you to start a new chat and share it. And chats are also what you're seeing first in the new home tab in the app. And if you had friends that you clubhouse, it seems like the chats would show up in the home tab too. So I don't know. I, I feel somehow about this. I know that Clubhouse has seen a massive drop in popularity since the early days of the COVID pandemic, especially since uh, Twitter, now called X, launched its 
Twitter Spaces. I don't know what it's called now. I've never been on it in a while. That's X Spaces or just Spaces. Well, let's just call it Spaces. But Clubhouse apparently now sees more opportunity in encouraging people to have voice chats with their friends rather than broadcasting live to large audiences. You can still make, you know, that type of live social audio rooms that made Clubhouse a hit, like a hit then during the COVID pandemic. But the feature, you know, seemed a bit buried or seems a bit buried right now from the home screen you need to tap the microphone button then swipe it over to a tap to go live option to start a room and clubhouse says that live rooms will continue to be a central part of clubhouse but why the hell do you want to do something like an instagram like a group instagram story you know instead of what we know clubhouse to be i really so there's some days mondays 9 p.m i don't miss a particular room that room is a song like you go in the room and you sing songs i don't miss that room for anything sunday is 9 p.m west african time um also there's one particular room i also don't miss i can't i'm trying to remember the name of the yes the reading room uh um, shout out to clarissa Ebuseme. that particular reading room god i try my best not to miss it i've never i've come on stage but i've never like read a book read a book i've just participated in discussions about books i think clubhouse is a great app and i think they made a couple of mistakes in you know keeping it to just ios for a while and you know all of that the shenanigans that happened before it was released to android and how elon comes on it and then makes it a big hit and then leaves and then buys twitter and then does you know replicate something like that on twitter and and i know all of that you know like kind of hampered but can we just keep clubhouse clubhouse sane the same way the idea is it possible please who's your guy that's the question you should be asking of course who else but me yes only me so that's why i'm bringing this to you do you know that infertility affects seven percent of the male population do you do you have an idea about do you know this well okay if you didn't know it's a major issue right but ai artificial intelligence may just yeah, like it may just be one step away from solving this problem as a doctor steven vasilescu said that the ai software that he has developed and you know his team has developed can spot sperms in samples taken from severely infertile men and it can do this a thousand times faster than any highly trained pair of eyes and uh, this is uh, potentially viable sperm. You can track any potentially viable sperm before a human can even process what they're looking at. Usually, what what happens is a small portion of the testes is surgically removed and taken to a lab, and then there's an em- embryologist who can manually search for healthy sperms. Now, if, before you for you to be able to do this, you know you have to like look at it or examine it under a microscope, and then if any viable sperm is you know found, you they were extracted. And then the sperm will be injected into an egg and all of that. This will take most likely um, six or seven hours. Multiple staff working on this and, you know, fatigue, inaccuracy and all of that. But with what sperm search, that is what he is actually developing. He says a thousand times faster than any experienced embryologist. And it is not designed to replace the embryologist to draw your ear. Don't go and be saying embryologist. You don't have a job again. You don't have a... uh -uh, No. But it's going to be an assistive tool. So embryologists will use these things to actually do the work. And how did he do this? So he trained 
the AI to identify sperm in complex tissue samples by showing the AI thousands of images like that and then trained it to actually check and find these things faster than anybody will. Time is of essence here. Those who do paternity tests know that. I would say nothing more than that. And with sperm counts widely reported to have declined by half over the past four decades, infertility remains a growing problem. And factors behind the drop in male fertility are reported to include everything from pollution and smoking to poor diets, not getting enough exercise, and too much stress. Right? So this uh, right now it's not available because i think when i found it it's still under it's still going through trials but then they're moving to the next stage which is you know trying to you know use this to actually go through a pregnancy stage and then you know having a baby and then knowing how it's going to take it's a long way uh, most likely two to five years before anything reasonable will come out but i just wanted to say i'm your guy because things like this i bring them to you and let you know that there is hope like there is hope around the corner or along the line or something but i'm your guy i stream live on africa tech radio www.africatechradio.com every weekday from 9 a.m west african time 9 a.m gmt plus 2 till midday catch me on instagram on twitter and on facebook at africa tech radio thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com